I'd like to say good morning. good morning. Wow, those lights are really bright this morning. I'd like to say good morning once again to everyone. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. And as we uh, finish up uh, the book of Philippians, um, let us turn there here in chapter 4, here in chapter 4 in the book of Philippians. Now, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed this study in the book of Philippians. And now as we finish up, we just kind of let our mind go back uh, through the previous uh, lessons that we have uh, learned of and took part in uh, during this study and remembering the theme, uh, the main theme throughout that uh, was a sense of rejoicing in his letter to the uh, church at Philippi. Paul is encouraging these individuals. We keep in mind also that within a time span of about two years, Paul is going to be executed. So Paul is going through some, some things himself, uh, individually and personally, uh, but he was pouring out uh, himself as a drink offering uh, to the church at, at Philippi, sharing some things with them uh, about death, about life, uh, about fellowship, about being one, uh, having unity within the body of Christ. So as we pick up here today and finish out uh, with verse 10, and it goes through verse 23. And when you find that, if you could stand in reverence unto the reading of God's holy word, if, if your health allows you to. And it begins in verse 10, Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at your last care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 
and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Let us bow our heads. Dear Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you once again for this day. Lord, I just ask by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, now just be with me. Uh, cause me to deny myself and, and to realize that I'm, I'm weak. Uh, but with you, Lord, I am strong. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you lead me and guide me through this message. Cause me to say and to preach the things that you would have me to say, God Almighty. And now, Lord, cause us to uh, take these words, take the teaching, put it in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And, Lord, we're just careful now to give you honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we look here at our lesson, beginning here at verse 10, we see that, again, as we come to the conclusion of this study, that Paul had been through various life challenges and extremes that had brought him now to a point of contentment that we're going to look at. We'll spend a good amount of time here in these beginning uh, verses. Um, this journey that he was on was taught by God. And it's so important that we all realize that all of us too, we are on a journey. And our message today is, is called the learning experience. The learning experience. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned. Past tense. Over time, Paul had learned through ups and downs, abundance or lack, he had learned to be content. In whatever state he found himself in, he had learned to be content. Life is truly a learning Experience. It was a learning experience for Paul. It's a learning experience for us. You know, it's a learning experience as we, we are growing before we are born again. And then something happens and we are transformed by the Spirit of God and we become new creatures. When you have had that road to Damascus experience like Paul had had, when he cried out to the Lord, well then, what will you have me to do? 
So I ask that we all think about that point in your life. And maybe somebody here today, you haven't reached that point. Today might be your lucky day. But just think about from that point onward. And we look at Paul's life from that point onward. When he had obtained salvation. When he had received the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Lord, what will you have me to do now with the rest of my life? And from that point on, he began to learn in whatever state he was in to be content. He learned through these moments in life, these moments of experience. It was life experience. It wasn't speculation or theory. It was through what the Lord allowed him to go through in life, through these life experiences, to being beaten, to being shipwrecked, to going through perils in the country and in, in the city. All of these things that he went through, these times of adversity, it was a learning experience. What about you? What about me? The, the times of adversity that I've been through in life. And what about you? Have we been learning to be content? Are we at a point right now? Paul was at a, in a point in his life right now. He said, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. It takes time to learn this. It takes time to learn contentment in whatever state you're in. It takes time to learn to be content. If we'll look at 2 Corinthians. The 11th chapter. 2 Corinthians. In the 11th chapter. Just picking up there in mid-verse, in verse 23, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's a lot of stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. 
So as we go back there to Philippians 4, Paul had been through a lot. He said, I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound everywhere and all things I have learned. There it is again. I have learned. It takes time both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content, to be satisfied. You may want your life to be in a, another position at this time right now, even today. But Paul is saying, be satisfied for where you are at right now, where the Lord has you in position right now in life. Be encouraged to be satisfied. There was an old song when I came up as a child through the church, and it said, I am so satisfied with my Savior. Are we satisfied today in our lives with our Savior? Where he has us at in our lives right now, are we content? Are we satisfied? And again, it comes through experience and not speculation. Whatever state, somebody here today, you may be in a state of abasement. You're abased in your life right now. And others, you're abound. You're abounding in life. Life is good. Good things have just been happening to you this week. All is grand. We are to learn to be content in both of those situations. To be abased or humbled means to be treated with indignity and contempt, trampled on, to live in adverse situations, to hunger and thirst, but able to conduct oneself accordingly. And that's what Paul did. It reminds me of Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are we hungry today? Are we thirsty today for righteousness in our lives? Because you may have come in here abased today, but keep hungering, keep thirsting, not after self-righteousness, but the righteousness in Christ Jesus, and you shall be filled. To abound means to excel, to have been in, to have and been in esteem of men, having affluence in the midst of plenty. Paul had been through both of those scenarios in his life. To not be proud and haughty when you find yourself abounding. To honor God with all the blessings or things that you might have in life, using them to honor God. Now, from contentment, this contentment that had come upon Paul, 
through his learning experience came wisdom. That is the ongoing knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ in his life. If we'll look here at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And the 30th verse. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the 30th verse. And it reads, let's back up to 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. So all wisdom comes through Christ Jesus and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And that brings us here now, to the next verse. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was now at a station, at a point in his life, in this point of contentment, where he understood to give all glory to God. He was able to give all glory to God because he had learned to deny himself, to realize that he was weak, and that when we are weak, that's when God is strong. And that's for all of us here today, to know that when you're weak, that's when God is strong. That's when God kicks in and takes over in our lives. And we realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was in a time of reflection right now, and he was sharing this with the church of Philippi. Think about Paul thinking about all those, the shipwrecks and the beatings and everything that he had been through. And he realized, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew that death was looming over him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if we look at 2 Corinthians, going back to the 12th chapter, 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, Remember when Paul had that thorn in his flesh, he said in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We're to say in our spirit, I can't do it by myself, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, I can, I can. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had learned to humble himself, and it's ongoing. It's ongoing in our lives to learn how to be a base, to humble ourselves, to admit to the Lord that we are weak and that we need him to make us strong so that we can do all things through Christ Jesus. But learning to, in whatsoever state we're in, to be content, to be satisfied. As we look through and think about what we've learned through the book of Philippians, what have we learned from Paul? I've learned to, that I'll have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling there in the second chapter of Philippians, the 12th verse. I wonder if we've given any more thought to that that your salvation is between you and the Lord. Mother can't save your daddy, brother, sister, aunt, or uncle. It's between you and the Lord. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But what things were gained to me, Paul said, these I have counted loss for Christ there in chapter 3. And verse 7, all of his reputations, all of his riches, he had counted all this as loss in order to gain Christ. As we go back here to chapter 4 in Philippians, as we wind down our message, Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul wasn't worried about himself. He was seeking the fruit for them. He wasn't worried about filthy lucre, as you can read about in Titus 1 and 11. That is the ill-gotten gain. 
of false teachers and preachers. He was concerned about them. He loved the church at Philippi. He rejoiced in them. He encouraged them to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice that we learned about earlier. He was concerned about their account in heaven. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He was thankful for the gift that they had sent them, but he was more concerned about the fruit that would come from their giving to their own account. We'll look at Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians, the first chapter, verses 21 through 25. And retracing our steps to really understand that this is a learning experience that all of us are going to, through, this thing called life. It's a learning experience. We pick up here in the first chapter, verse 21. Remember when he said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think we established that that's a win-win situation. Not only for Paul, but for us here today. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's you can't lose. He couldn't lose. I can't lose here today. I'm a winner either way you look at it. Are you looking at it that way? Through life, through the learning experience of life, do you realize that you can't lose? It's a win-win situation. But if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Fruit from my labor. That they would bring forth fruit, those that he was working with. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Being more concerned for others than himself. That was a learning experience for him. It's a learning experience for us to not always be concerned just about me, 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 I, I, I. It's about we. It's about the body of Christ. But it's a learning experience. And as we go back to chapter 4, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, 
an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This gift that they had given him, this financial gift, it was well-pleasing to God. And it was an example of the Old Testament, of the sacrifice. But it was well-pleasing to God. This was spiritual. And he said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. A lot of times people look at that and they see it. And they think it just applies to everybody. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This was because they had supplied his need. They had taken care of the man of God. And that's what it's about. When the church takes care of the man of God, when the church takes care of the ministry that's going on in the community, in the world, then that's when the Lord blesses those who have blessed the ministry. That's what this example is showing. They had blessed him. So Paul was now affirming, and my God shall supply all your need. He was talking to the church at Philippi. Your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 5 and 2, and you don't have to turn there, it reads, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus Christ was the great propitiation. He was the great sacrifice for all of us. And with them, giving this sacrifice to the man of God. They were giving honor to God through Jesus Christ. Sacrifice. That's what it's about in our lives. It's a learning experience, learning to sacrifice. Not only with material things and finance, but with our time, with our love, with our compassion. It's a learning experience. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Verse 21. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Let's read that again. But especially those who are of Caesar's household. Now, this was the person who was going to destroy him. But now it says that his household had now joined forces, forces with him. His household had been affected by the gospel. His household had been touched by God. Just like I said earlier, it's a win-win situation. Even here with Paul, he was still winning 
when it looked like he was losing. He was still winning. It looked like he was losing. He's in prison. He's going to die in a couple of years. But look what happens. He began to affect the household of Caesar. What can we do in our lives, in our journey of faith to affect those out here in the world, in our families, on our jobs, in the schools, who we may feel like are part of Caesar's household? They don't have anything to do with the gospel or with Jesus. How can we influence them? How can we affect their lives so that they may come running and saying, what must I do to be saved? When it looks bleak sometimes, we have to do like Paul and Silas did in Acts, the 16th chapter, when they had been thrown in jail. They start singing and praying at the midnight hour. Sometimes we try to do too much. Sometimes all we got to do is just be anxious for nothing and begin to pray. That's what Paul had said, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, let your requests be known, your supplications, your prayers, but do it with thanksgiving. So as we go out here in the world this week, let's touch somebody's life. Let's influence them in some type of way. Because when we're weak, that's when God will make us strong. Let's humble ourselves. We may not have to say a mumbling word to anybody because a lot of times people would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. A lot of times we try to do it. But let's humble ourselves and let God lead us and guide us and work through us. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. And the last word on greeting, I have to say it because the Lord just kept putting it in my spirit. I have to say it. But when we're here at this church, we're saints together, we're brethren. We come in, we go by each other. I just observe a lot of times people walk by each other. But if you see people you know, hey, good morning, how you doing? Hey. But if you don't know each other, when I'm walking towards you, I'm looking at you with the intention of saying, good morning. I'm going to give you a head nod, a head bob, something. But we're brethren, we're saints together. Greet one another, it says. We're all a part of the body of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. At this time now, the praise team will come back and lead us in a song. And at this time also, know that this is also a time of prayer. We have volunteers who will be stationed at the front. If you're in need of prayer and want someone to pray with you, now is the time. You can post your prayer requests upon the cross. This is also a time that we can partake of the Lord's Supper together.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for your word. We just ask that you continue to bless this church, bless the leadership, bless everyone that's here. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.